The following program may be explicit. And he's a laser printed hero, a big yet master man. And if you miss a dice roll, he may just end up dead. Don't forget about his backstory for family and foe. And if this is his last stand, well, that's just how the story goes. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. And beer. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for season seven, episode no, season no. twelve, yeah, episode seven <laughs> of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Gina. This is Stork. And this is Jeb from Postcards from the Dungeon. Woo. And we got Jeb from Postcards from the Dungeon. Woot. We had a conversation. So excited! <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like you've never done oh, a podcast. podcast idols in one place. It's oh, amazing. classy show. <laughs> and I, and you, we had a, we had an email conversation about uh, uh, having you be like a, a correspondent for us from uh, Fear the Con. Oh, right from the convention floor. Yeah. Right, but then never happened. Well, he's, I was too busy. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a long con. You've got games to do. That's true. That. That's exactly right. That's let me just exactly right. let me just say before we start, the wives are still raising money with. Is it GoFundMe they're doing that through? Yes. Okay. You can go to mwow.net and they've got links plastered all <laughs> over the place. If you want to support them in their tour, uh, they're going to be at Bristol Renaissance Fair in Wisconsin. Yes, it's in Wisconsin. I know that. And uh, they just did the Pirate Fair uh, in Vallejo. And they're going to be going up to uh, Oregon or Washington. Uh, I think both. No, it's one or the other. Right. I don't know. They're going to be in a state north of here, <laughs> and they're going to be doing a fair there as well. So if you're in any of those areas, uh, we will soon post when the exact dates are they're going to be there, and you can see one of the bands that you hear at the end of the show. So, And if you want to support them in that in that endeavor, you can do so. Go to mwow.net, and there's links to their GoFundMe. You can thing. go to the Google machine and Google Merry Wives of Windsor. And I wouldn't Google Merry Wives of Windsor because a lot of stuff comes up before them. Oh, really? Turns out. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like a major play by some Billy the Shake? Some hack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not what I got at all. <laughs> uh, safe search. Safe search. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> All right. So we wanted to kind of talk about, um, first off, I I, I want you to sort of paint for us a word picture of what Fear the Con is like. Because we have our our conventions here, and they're held in hotels, Mm -hmm. and it's it's the same company that does them three times a year. Um, And they're pretty good size, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? uh, Every time time Eric, who's the guy who organizes them, shows up to our our live cast, he says it's... Bigger than it was the previous year. Yeah, it's, and the it's numbers upwards of eighteen. Yeah, it's 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 approaching 2, like two thousand people. Yeah. It's 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 getting if it's not there yet, it's getting very close. So I mean that is, I mean that's certainly that's no Gen Con, but it's uh, I guess is that kind of big-ish for a convention? Would you say? It, uh, especially if you're used to fear the con, it is. You got to take that down by about an order of magnitude. I'll say so. So fear the con is hundreds. Yes, okay. it's in the it's in the, between 150 and 200 people typically. Yeah, but but and this is something you guys throw yourself. That's not, impressive. He, not him. Well, he went. Well, right, not, right. not me. No, <laughs> but the guys that fear the boot and a lot of the booters uh, from the forum help it. You know, help get things going so that the hosts don't have to do it all themselves. But yeah, it uh, it lasts about a week. 
if you consider all of the touristy things, because what they have is people come in early. It starts on a Thursday night, but people come in early, and so they run tourism through St. Louis to see the sights. And then Thursday night, the con proper begins with Worldwide Wing Night. So everybody shows up at the hotel during the day, and then that night we go over to the convention center and eat a ton of wings and fried ravioli mm. and pulled pork and drink a lot of beer and also, coincidentally, play a lot of games. But those are more the board games and the card games just to introduce people and, and pull them into it. And so it's a social hour. Um, and then the next morning, the con begins, and each there's three game slots per day for two days, and they're, they're four hours each with a half hour in between. And so we start at 9.30, we wrap up at 10.30, and other than that, it's 12 solid hours of gaming. And So you, you, have, you have three game slots, three games are being run, or there's, every, every, what is it, no. every couple hours that there's new games, okay. or you... Every four hours, there's a new game. Okay. Um, and so slot one, two, and three, and then people are running, you know, whatever games you want. You sign up on Con Planner for the games that you want, and typically six to eight people per table, I guess. And there's about oh, twenty-five tables, I think, in in the uh, in the area, and that's it. I mean, that's the con. Is this one big floor with about twenty-five tables? That's so about generally. I'm sorry, uh, uh, that's about how many RPG tables we have. Yep, <laughs> sounds like it. I mean, yep. our our con is our our our, ga- our con is also a huge number of collectible card games and board games. Yeah, and then all of the fat beards um, playing the miniatures things, yelling yeah. at each other, and yeah, all those guys. Yeah, um, there's typically not much in the way of miniatures unless one of the fear the boot guys decides to run a uh, a mech warrior. Um, game with lots of miniatures and they do clan battles with their mechs and things like that and so they interrupt every 10 minutes by doing their clan chant um, so noise is generally not all that big of a problem I know you guys have talked about uh, trying to get a good mood for a Cthulhu game or something like that but it generally is not that big of a problem at Fear the Con, and then most of the most of the people you probably know one or two people at every table if you've been to this more than once because it's the Fear the Booters. They bring in some new people, but generally it's guys from the forums and the hosts and listeners and stuff like that. And so it's very. Um, I heard one guy describe it as a family reunion that you want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's not the it's you, people who you would have talked with online all all year long, and you go to this thing and you game with them, and it might be the one chance you get all year to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of camaraderie, there's a lot of uh, a lot of friendliness, and there's you know you you generally wind up being introduced to just about everybody at the con by the time you're finished. It, uh, um, seventh year this year. Yep. This was Fear the Con 7. I started with Fear the Con 4, so now I have actually done more than half of them. So I, I feel like an old veteran now. Uh, and I am the GURPS rep at these things. Nobody else but me runs the, <laughs> runs the GURPS game, so I go out of my way. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, go out of my, I go out of my way to run a couple of games, at least one per day 
of, of GURPS, and they're always very well received. And in fact, this year, this year I have to thank the Happy Jacks guys, especially you, Stu, and, and Tyler, for uh, sending me information on California's Disneyland, because my game was set in Disneyland, and I have never been there in my life. Um, oh, it was titled, Bring Me the Head of Walter Elias Disney, and the uh, the characters were all cyberpunk operatives who had to bust into Disneyland to retrieve Disney's brain on behalf of Google. So uh, <laughs> That's perfect for right. a group's game, too. Perfect. And, yeah, and so they had ran a great big uh, heist on on. Disneyland, and it was just awesome. They did manage to free Disney's brain, but then he tricked them into installing his brain into Mechie Mouse. (laughs) Shaped like Mickey, who rose up out of uh, Sleeping Beauty's castle and then went stomping off into the Pacific Ocean to his own private island. So So there's a sequel. Yes, set up for a sequel. So they succeeded in freeing Disney's brain, but they did not achieve the goal of receiving the payment of a million internets. So you, that was a, you that are was a, a disappointment. You are a clever man. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Speaking of clever, was it not you that sent uh, a, 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 sub, a submission to our dungeon, our one-page dungeons? I did. I did indeed. Uh, it was one of my favorites. There it is right there. <laughs> the postcard. The yeah. Dungeon crawl. Um, <laughs> Uh, the postcard from the dungeon, yeah. Uh, it just seemed the right thing to do. Also, uh, my my other GURPS game was also the submission that I sent to the genuine one that I sent to Two Sides, One Epic. It was called Roust. And in, in mm-hmm. the book, you are supposed to be adventurers who go and drive a bunch of gargoyles and goblins out of, a, uh, out of an apartment building in a fantasy city. Um, for the game this time, I turned that on its head, and you had to defend the building from the slumlords who were coming in to drive you out, and they all got to play gargoyles and goblins and stuff. That's so great. they got to, yeah, they got to drop poop on people's heads and set traps, <laughs> and it was amazing. It was just, just so much fun. So, uh, and then uh, I do run a couple of games of Fiasco every year, just because it's so awesome, and it's mm-hmm. a great wind down game for the last slot of the day. You, you run a couple of games this, you don't have to prepare anything, you just show up and everybody does bad things to each other. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Now, have you guys have you guys ever actually played Fiasco? I gotta ask. I, ha- I have not. Talk about it. I'm I have. sure you guys have. I, yeah. yeah. At your birthday con, Stu. Oh, uh, oh that's right. Yeah, you uh, guys a game of Fiasco was run yeah. and uh, Molly was uh, singularly the best player there. She just... Put on accents and completely got lost in her characters. It was great. <laughs> but well, I've heard you, Stork. I have heard you claim that Fiasco is not really a role-playing game, but I'm here to tell you it absolutely is, because <laughs> because it's a game, right? You will agree it's a game. No, I don't know if it is it's or not. not. Get into the semantic. It's got <laughs> dice. But there's no GM. Right. There's no dice. There's dice. There are dice. Well, well okay. And they yes. get rolled. It's theater sports. It is a game well, where you play roles. Yes. Yes. So in that sense, and yes. there are so. dice. So there you go. And there's um, there you go. There are mechanics. <laughs> like, like two. So um, is are there are there any things there at Fear the Con that kind of stand out as different um, from other cons that you go to? Well, one is the size, of course, because it's so small that there is no way to feel overwhelmed by it. Uh, the other con that I've attended regularly is Gen Con. 
and boy, you can sink without a ripple at that place. Um, well, that's tens of thousands of people, isn't it? Well, ex- well, exactly right, exactly yeah. right. So uh, I have not yet found the middle of the road size like you guys have that's uh, that's manageable uh, as far as that goes. So that's one thing is that you get to meet everybody at mm-hmm. the con, and so it's a very you know communal kind of a thing. Um, and then I would say that it's the beer included in the price of admission. Are you kidding? They always manage to get really? several kegs of beer, and that is included in the cost of your admission. So you pay the fifty-five dollars for the for the con for the mm. weekend, and you may refill your tankard as many times as you want. I spend yeah. that much in beer in an evening. I mean, you know, I know, seriously. right? Oh my god! Yeah, they must not must not drink a lot of beer in the Midwest. No, <laughs> they made oh, it through beer four drinkers. full kegs this year. How many but people? Remember, That's the end of my uh, people. It was only about 150 people. 150 end, so. people and four kegs. Four kegs. Wait, four kegs? We okay, I'm judging you. I'm judging you. I'm judging you. I, I, I'm judging you. Lot, I, so. I spent uh, more money on beer and scotch for the last two cons than I have on the hotel. See, <laughs> I'm judging. I'm judging your alcohol co- if consumption. Stu, if there. I don't and think I, that that's not very much. If that's Stu not and that I were to show up, I mean, I think it was you, me, Tappy, and Kevin once, and we killed an entire keg. We didn't, by kill, we didn't kill a keg, but we had a keg in one of those party things. You know, like the the, the you know the frat boy things, where the big bucket of ice and the, the the keg is in there, and you have the pump handle on it. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? The yeah, like the, the frat boy sure. pe- kegs. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah, there was four of us, and we showed up Friday night before fair, and we're all sitting on. This is back when we were in Devore out in the uh-huh. Inland Empire, and we're uh, it was Sierra Nevada, if I remember. It was Sierra Nevada, yeah. and we're sitting out on the porch, and we're going back and filling up, and we probably all it was the three day weekend, so it, some of us got off work a little early, so we're probably out there at four, four, five o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. By midnight, the four of us had that keg floating in the in the ice. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't empty. Wow. But there was maybe a gallon or two left. We would go through a band of 13 boggards. Two full, um, full-size kegs a weekend. Yep. So I'm judging you. <laughs> that is your right. You know, you guys are the. I still think it's audience. pretty awesome that they get beer in the price of admission. That is awesome. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Is it sponsored by like a, a brewery? That's used to be uh, back in Fear the Con Four. There was a couple of guys who had their own brewery called Danger Brewery, and they they would bring about a half a dozen kegs of craft beer, oh. and that that was pretty awesome. Uh, those guys haven't been able to make it the last few uh, cons, and so we've been reduced to actually purchasing kegs mm-hmm. from a distributor. And I, I don't know who they had choosing this year, but that might have been the reason for the light consumption. They had two kegs of uh, Kraftig Lager. See, see what they did there? They put the name Kraft right oh. in there. Oh. Because with a K. Yeah. That's called marketing, it was son. Kinda like, it was kind of like... You know what craft cheese is yeah. to regular cheese. Yeah. So not <laughs> craft not beer. <laughs> and then they got two uh, kegs of woodchuck cider, and that to me was kind of cheating. I thought, but uh, you yeah. know they they you know, all got drunk up, so I guess they knew what they were doing. But uh, yeah, we would have drank a lot more. But I I was trying to keep my trim figure. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you got to watch your girlish figure. Not feeling particularly, uh, you know. Well, and you're running a GURPS game, too. you got to sort of stay, you know, fairly clear-headed there with all those That's numbers exactly flying at you. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I so, do, when I'm running yeah. games, I do tend to not drink as much. No, you don't. Yeah. I, like one or two for a whole <laughs> session, maybe. So I guess I'm not well, judging exactly. that much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that, I, that's something I wanted to point out. I kind of started earlier, which is that this is a this con is a real sort of grassroots affair. It's like every, it almost seems like everybody's like, well, I can bring kegs, and hey, I have a friend that works in a hotel, and this whole thing comes together through the community almost. It's it's yeah, very well, the, cool. it does. In the early days, it was Dan and Chad and those guys doing all the work themselves, but a bunch of people stepped up to take some of that off their shoulders because that's a lot of work to sure put is. that sucker. To me. And so um, we started a thing called Fear the Fruit uh, a few years ago oh, yeah. because we eat bad con food just like everybody else. You know, we got people selling burgers and dogs and and things like that. But in case you want more than that, we send somebody down to the local food distributor and they buy a couple of crates of grapes and apples and oranges and bananas, and that stuff is free. You can donate to the cause if you want to, but you can eat as much of that stuff as you want free. It's just included really with your cool. admission price. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah. yeah, having healthy snacks, uh, <laughs> it just, you know, makes your trips to the restroom a lot less <laughs> This sounds, lot, what I'm this sounds like less of a con and more <laughs> like a big, a big like <laughs> barbecue party kind of thing. It just seems like everybody yeah. knows everybody else and everybody's having a great time. Uh, it kind of is like that. And then uh, there's a there's a fellow from uh, the Established Facts podcast, Derek Knudsen, who, who runs a charity every year. And this year uh, it was raising money to help uh, abused and neglected children. And so uh, I chipped in because I always like to help abused children get neglected. I, you know, I think that's a <laughs> worthy cause. I know, I'm a terrible person. We should send them all, all role-playing games, because that's how we were all neglected. We were, you know, <laughs> in the basement playing GURPS. So they ran a raffle, and they gave away a Roku box as the first prize, and a couple of old uh, vintage-looking copies of like the expert set and the Star Trek role-playing game. And so that garnered a lot, but what was the huge moneymaker this year was the all-night-long Dungeons & Dragons game in which you could contribute to either help the players or hurt the players. And so you could throw money down and say, I want two Rust Monsters epic level on the field right now. <laughs> wow. And the GM would say, oh, really? no, that's only 10 bucks. You want two of them, that's 20 bucks. <laughs> okay, here that's it is. That's awesome. And then so as there's they like started to uncork, you could say, well, how about how much would it cost to give those Rust Monsters the initiative every round? Oh, that's another 10. Here you go, another 10. <laughs> So they had a group. You had like a, there's there's like a game going on, and you could go in and just hand money yep. to the GM to screw with the players, or or help. Or them. you could write down what you wanted in advance, so that you didn't have to stay up all night like those poor suckers did who were oh. playing the game. That's pretty cool. But, uh, but the players themselves were getting sponsored, so that if uh, they managed to make it, it was by the hour. They got a certain amount of money per hour. So if they made it through the whole night, you know they they earned a whole bunch of money. For the kids, and they made it, despite the fact that we were throwing rust monsters and <laughs> making them invulnerable and all sorts of other things. So that was a that was a pretty awesome idea, and we wound up raising twenty five hundred dollars. Wow! For the Congratulations! That's, that's, out of that's awesome. That's out of one hundred and fifty people. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. That's because the beer was free. They had extra money. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. 
There's your beer money just on the table. That's four hundred bucks, dude. Seriously, no, I, no, no, no. I probably at the hotel drop fifty bucks a night on beer. I mean, seriously, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's like ten bucks a, a you know when all is said and done with tip and everything. It's right. like eight and change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so six beers in, that's fifty bucks or more. So yeah, I mean that that would be worth it right there. Price of admission. Yeah. The, the, and then I would be remiss if I didn't if I didn't just chip in that my uh, my co-host on postcards from the dungeon, Mikey Mason, is our resident is the fear the boot resident comedian, and so mm-hmm. he does a musical comedy set at Worldwide Wig Night every year, and he's always awesome. If you guys haven't heard his stuff, anybody out there in uh, in uh, Fear the Happy Jack Bootland, if you haven't if you haven't heard Mikey yet, listen to his stuff. It's really funny geek comedy. It's hilarious. So, there. Now I've done all my... my <laughs> well, you, you may have to go to the forum and post a couple links just for the people that are struggling with Absolutely. remembering names Absolutely. at this point. Um... Oh, Stu is refilling. That's a lot of cool <laughs> little uh, extracurricular stuff in addition to the gaming. That's, it is. I was yeah. I was going to ask you, um, not to put you on the spot, but can you give me a, a type or the variety of games that were run there? I know obviously GURPS was being played and obviously D&D was being played. <laughs> yeah, there was some D&D and uh, a lot of, well, Fiasco, of course. Fate was a biggie this year. Uh, both the uh, the Fate Core and the Fate Accelerated had a bunch of people running that. I've noticed that trend. Um, it's it's the new shiny. It was Savage Worlds a couple of years ago, and Fate seems to be uh-huh. usurping it as the new shiny. Exactly right. Um, a lot of Cthulhu uh, this year. There was a lot of that going on. Oh, good. Uh, both as Call of Cthulhu and other varieties of it. And I actually got to play in one that was run by Caleb Stokes, I think, from uh, Role Playing Public Radio. So that was a the first time I've played in a Cthulhu game where it actually made sense to me. Was it scary? Was it? I mean, did it work? It worked for me. Not that it frightened me, but it was so much fun because my character and my partner, the character who's my partner in this, died in just this most glorious way, and we saw we all saw it coming. We knew it was happening, but it was so much fun to just die in a very epic landslide at the top of Mount McKinley. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. So uh, so there's a lot of that. I will say that this year they actually ran a game of Fatal. Oh, oh no. God. <laughs> Who took the bullet to read the book? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Martian God is his name on the forums. It's Dr. Bob Ahrens, and he is, uh, he is brave enough to go and do anything, and they played it by the rules. I talked to a couple oh. of the guys who were in that <laughs> game. And they, it, it the scenario was kind of like a Downton Abbey tea party. <laughs> oh, what a great they, idea! Really? <laughs> <laughs> Turns into a party. Honestly, God, they spent more time figuring out their seating positions for the tea party than they did for the, <laughs> you know, the, the sexual encounters that went on. And what I was told was that the amount of algebra you have to do in that game is just ungodly. It takes everything sexual out of it and just makes it into math. <laughs> it's like, boy, that kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> So yeah, I I did not participate in that one. That's I wow. Mm, I, I glanced the at the book things. and I I just felt filthy. I just I felt like I need to take a shower after like holding it. I'm like, oh. Well, they didn't. They, he didn't include. There's no way he included character generation in a four hour game. Um, no, I don't think okay. so. But they did. They did. He did leave some of the stats un uncomputed so that you had to then. You, you know, got to roll on the on your anal circumference, circumference table. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
because that's really the heart of this game. If you, if you oh think sure, about yeah. It. Yeah, well, it's it's got it's got it's got the best anal circumference rules of any role playing game I can think of. Well, GURPS is I a pretty good table for it. I mean, it is all inclusive. <laughs> it is general role playing. I mean, come on. I don't know why Hero hasn't done we- it yet. In the, back in the weapons section, yeah. Well, I mean, if you so. use the optional rules from GURPS Proctologist, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> it's it's up there. It's the, pretty close. The, the GURPS Porn Star supplement is actually better <laughs> because you actually have penis length then as well. <laughs> oh yikes! Yeah, I, I have that on. I had that on my grip shelf. I had to put it in, you know, my dresser underneath my t-shirts. <laughs> Let the kids find it. My, you know, I got kids. They, mine. The pages are all stuck together. I don't know why. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's funny. Now, let me ask you a question. We're we're gonna have a new thing at our cons out here because the guy who's running our our RPG section. Yeah. I cannot remember his real name. Eric Sand. Jim. 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 Yeah. Sandoval. Jim. Yeah. Jim. Jim Sandoval. Um, plus two to awesome on the is his ta- yeah. tag on the form. But they're running something called Games on Demand. Yeah. Well, they've been talking about that for a couple right. different cons. It, it, oh, yeah. they have. Okay. They haven't run it yet. But have you? Are you familiar with this concept? They, Not at all. They do it with board games usually. It's uh, you can go walk up and you want to get a board game. You say, "I don't. I've never played Dom- Dominion." Can someone? Oh, sure. And they take you one on one and they'll run through a board game. They're actually going to do this with role playing games. Yeah. So like they're going to wait. They're going to run them off schedule. So like if you don't don't have a game and the games start, you can go and put your name in, and if they get enough people to run, and they have GMs standing by. If you yeah. want to play a Savage Worlds game and he gets enough people to run the game, boom, sit down and he's going to run like two hour, yeah, two hour sessions, <laughs> short games, but a big bad con. Well, a lot of cons, don't they? At, at Gen Con, they do games on demand, uh-huh. and big bad con. I played in a couple sessions of games on demand, so it's like you said, uh, it's time. There are other games going on, so it's like in our slot that's uh, two to six. Right. There would be a games on demand session. It might be these five GMs in the room, and they're sitting at five different tables. And it's like if you go up to this GM, they'll run either this game or this game for you. That game would this table would run this one or this one. Oh. So it's like they would just you sit down, and once you have three or four people, you uh, decide what you want to play. Kind of helps out the people that aren't that kind of get hosed during. During pre-reg, yeah. Okay. Yep. Or or just people that are like game curious. You know, if you're fatal curious Absolutely. and and yeah. you, you know you don't want to go and invest into yourself, you got to go in the back room for that. Right. Well, literally, <laughs> I want to do that. I want to put on a costume. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's a great. I'm not going like, to shave my neck for like three weeks. It'd be a great way for, big for somebody who's, who's like who's maybe doesn't want to invest in fate or doesn't or has never played or, or like you and I who've like I've always wanted to play it. We never can get in a game. Right, right. Why don't we just yeah. like sit down and do a two hour fate accelerated game yeah. with these people? Cool. Now we know. Um, we just you know that's the problem we have with our cons is that we're always busy running games and or then the podcast and everything, and we don't get a chance to play much. So I I actually see this is probably a good thing for those of us that you know we it's two hours. Cool. And we can try a variety of games that we so are curious about. They're talking about doing like a shorter session, sort two of? Hour, two oh, hour. Two hour games. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the concept is really cool. Um, oh, I'm, I'm definitely for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you can get enough people to support it, that's awesome. Uh, generally, at Fear the Con, the, the most people you have who are floating around loose are like two or three. And 
you know, because everybody is scheduled into the different slots for their games. Um, the closest we have to a Games on Demand is that you put up a post on the forum and say, hey, will somebody please run a GURPS game? Um. And that's how I wound up running a GURPS is that uh, a couple of years ago a guy said, I have never played it. Would you run a GURPS game at the next Fear of the Con? It's like, how can I pass up an invitation like that? Here's a person who's crying out to right? be enlightened. <laughs> I know. And so that's uh, been doing it ever since. So, you know, nobody's ever come up to me and said, hey, would you run a fatal game? And I would have to say, no. <laughs> Hell no. Get away from me. Restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> you can run it in GURPS, though. I, I not, only have, the, I not only have the book, I actually have the official fatal song. Oh Eric Aldrich sent it to me. Oh. I don't want to contact the guy who wrote the game to get permission to play it on the podcast. Oh my god! I listen to it. It's terrible. You can, you can, it's that's just just There's encouraging. It's like is it like black metal? Yes, or something? It's, it's like death metal. It's like death metal, <laughs> but really poorly recorded. I really that's don't want to. I don't want to give this like guy he's singing out his anal circumference. There you go. Like, <laughs> I don't want to give this guy any more money. I really don't want to encourage him to make supplements. No. Or I did keep it going. Do you think I bought the song? No, but <laughs> you're like, no. we're talking. I mean, giving a man. <laughs> but I, I mean, it, it's it's just a train wreck. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Enough. Of, how did, it always comes back at fatal. Why is that? I don't know. Oh, I, I have one. I have yeah. one last question for you. Actually, where where is this con held? I mean, do you guys do it in a hotel room or are you out in a field? What do you? How do you? Under the it's typically at the it's typically at the Maryland Heights Community Center in. St. Louis, and it's a very nice space, actually. Lots of conference rooms, a great big convention floor. It actually has a kitchen so that we can prepare food and stuff like that. Um, and oh. there are smaller rooms so that if people do want to, like the Fatal Game was confined to its own room. They didn't want that to, want that to Quarantine. <laughs> so there's like a lot yeah. of campers in the parking lot, so people just go ahead and crash in their car and come back? and. No, um, generally everybody... Uh, Sacks out at the the Drury Inn Hotel, which is a few blocks away. Oh, perfect! Um, we get a big block of rooms, and it has a free breakfast, so we don't even have to go out to Waffle House or something like that, unless of course you want to. But who would? Um, yeah, I mean, and then you know, for the rest of the day, you're eating convention hamburgers and grilled cheese sandwiches. So, oh, and fruit, and fruit, and fruit. Yeah, and fruit. Don't fear the fruit. And not much, and uh, not much beer. Yeah. <laughs> Beer consumption? No. <laughs> so, I'm gonna if ever you can make it out there. You want to run a con? I'm gonna, I'm gonna you run a should. Con. The problem is, I tried to find a venue, and it's like, rather expensive. That's why you do like a VA or something where there's a I went. I went to the an Elks Lodge. Yeah. And I'm and, and I said, I don't even one rem- just up the road. I, I don't even remember how much it was, but... I, I asked the guy because I had a kitchen, and it was a big room and it had a uh-huh. stage. I mean, we didn't use a stage, but I thought, well, this is kind of cool. How, how much would it cost to rent this thing for a day for let's say twelve hours? And he's like, and he dropped the figure. I don't remember what it was. It was like three grand or something like that. It, <laughs> oh, it doesn't cost that much. Plus to insurance, right? Like those little. I don't know, but I was like, wow, that's wow. How many people yeah, can I get it? I don't, that's a lot of money. It's the equivalent yeah. of like when we booked the El Rey, you know? We were like sweating bullets as we got to gotta make sure we get enough people. And, uh. Yeah, we're the only band on the planet that plays $10,000 to go play a venue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, long story short, we broke even. And somebody made money, but it wasn't us. 
the yeah. the waitresses. Yeah, they made money. And the, the and bar the, and the El Rey. The bar made money. <laughs> so I, I may I may I may look at the Eagles Lodge because the Eagles Lodge just up the road right there has on a bar. Yeah. There's yeah. there's like a, the entrance and then there's the comp the like the banquet room and opposite of the entrance there's like the the, the and is a bar and, and yeah, it's yeah. in that building with the Illuminati symbol. Yeah, it has that's, these. Yeah. That's the awesome thing ever. So yeah. I see that every day when I drop my kids off. It's right up on top of Los Robles. Anyway, enough of local geography. No, right. Fascinating to the listeners. That was. That, 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 thank you for for uh, giving us your insight on that. I appreciate yeah. that. No, that's a, it's a pleasure. I would I would say that if you're going to run a con like that, you're probably not going to make any money. Um, the the fear of the boot guys take a small loss every year despite uh, having raised the price over the years a little bit to try to cover costs. But, you know... What, what does it... What, what do they charge? Uh, 55 bucks for the uh, three days. For okay. The Thursday Worldwide Wig Night and then the two-day pass to the con. Okay. And that's including a lot. That's, that's food, including a lot. beer... Um, no, not not food. You do have to pay for the food. Oh, okay. Um, pay some for fruit. But fruit. Fruit. And yeah. that could be considered food. <laughs> yeah. It's Food, Jesus Christ! It's what you eat food with. Yeah. You have food, and then you have fruit with it. It's it's what you it's push food through your digestive system with. with. Okay. <laughs> it's girl food. Girls, <laughs> girls eat like leaves and fruit and flowers and shit. Men eat like you know hot wings. The man's eating hot wings, and your girl's got like you know a pear. Yeah. Well, I'll just have I this. So. It's girl food. Oh, you... I'm like a pair of what? A pair of, yeah. <laughs> I hope my girlfriend. Don't know why. I said, yeah. I could have said banana, and that would be a whole different thing. <laughs> it would. All right. Uh, you want you want to read the first email? Certainly. All right. From Man Manuel. Right. Manuel. Email from Manuel. Hi. I'm going to run my very first group as the GM very soon. And I choose the Warhammer 40k Dark Heresy setting. I'm kind of <laughs> assuming he's got this Latin. Telenovela. You, you actually sound like Batman well from the cartoon, <laughs> not the TV show. I'm going to run a Warhammer 40k Dark Heresy setting since I love the universe. After listening to about 25 hours of RPG podcasts, I feel kind of punchy. Oh, wait, that's what I'm saying. So I feel rather confident. But there's one thing I haven't found. Running Investigations. All the campaign and GM tips are usually about heroes fighting, since that's the most common thing, but I would love some insight on running a game about staying under the radar, gathering clues, solving crimes, and burning the heretics at the stake. Thank you very much. Thank you, Manuel. Um, I don't know anything about Warhammer 40k Dark Heresy, but I do know that if... uh, you're going to be doing a, an investigations game, check out the gumshoe system. I played my first Trail of Cthulhu game. Uh, I'd had the book, I read it, I liked the ideas, but it never really gelled for me. Well, this guy Caleb from uh, RPPR showed me what it's supposed to be about, and it was great. You just, you know, if you have a skill, an investigative skill, you get the clue. If you want more, you can spend a point to try and get more to know more about it, but you will get the clues. And the fun wasn't in finding them. The fun was in putting it together. You know, the fun was in, oh, well, here's what I found out. What did you find out? And then everybody discussing it and trying to figure out how to solve the puzzle. So 
look into that would be my advice. I mean, you could probably graft those rules onto the Dark Heresy setting. Uh, what do you guys think? We, we've talked about this a couple of times before, and Stu ran into an article, and we've taken it to heart, and we say it all the time. It's the rule of three. The, the, the three-clue rule. that The Alexandrian.net, I think, is the webpage that, that to look it up. had that. But it was <clears throat> life-changing for all of us. And, and Gumshoe kind of tackles that same problem in a different way. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the problem is, if you have the clue and you have to roll the dice and they fail the roll, you're screwed. Right. Yeah. And and his this this guy's solution was give them three opportunities to find a clue that will lead them in the direction you want them to go or either three different clues or three chances <clears throat> for the same clue right. or because as you were so rightly pointed out the 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 fun of the game is not seeing if you make your investigation roll. The fun of the game is putting all the pieces together and saying, "Aha! Mm-hmm. The two thousand volt gold is really Mister Johnson from the hotel." You know, big unveiling. That's the fun of it. it if you have, if you're stressed out over making your investigation roll and you don't get it, and the game falls apart because you screwed up the one roll, which I've had happen because I do that all the time. <laughs> sure, uh, it's no fun for anyone. Um, investigative games are really a different animal. You almost have to give them the clues, and you're gonna, as a GM, you kind of balk at that. You're like, "Well, they have to earn it." I, I, but you have to turn your turn that part of your brain off. An investigative game is not about uh, skill checks. It's about putting all of these pieces together and using your brain and thinking. And the the thing I think when you're when you're putting together an investigative game, what you need to remember is the players have no clue what's going on. You know <laughs> everything. True. And what you look at when you say, I'm going to drop this clue. Oh, no, I can't use that clue. It's too it's obvious. It's too obvious. Yeah. But you know everything you already. You're, you're, and that's coloring your perception of it. It, it, it absolutely is. And and you need... I mean, players will go, you, you will drop what you think is the most obvious clue, and they will look at you like... What, what, is, a, what does that have to do with a box yeah, of hammers? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're right, and you're wrong most of the time. Because yeah. you've you got to look at it. And so having some obvious clues here and there, they're not going to be as obvious as you think they are. In the detective novels, you know, as the reader, you're privy to all sorts of information. And then the detective makes these intuitive leaps, and you're, and you're all along the ride with them. But in the role-playing game... You got to make those intuitive leaps yourself, <laughs> and, right? And it's it's hard, you know. You you you're presented with a bunch of random clues, and you tra- everyone looks at each other, and stares at it, and you it's. And I, I think there's a difference also between when you're playing a game ta- and and get, gathering your clues through conversation, and reading the written word, because I think people tend to absorb the written word more easily, and they don't <laughs> tend to miss as much. So if you're reading a detective novel and the clues are there, you might be able to figure it out. But in a role-playing game, there's yeah. so many other things going on and so many other distractions. You don't know what's important and what isn't. And and that's a, that's another forget. thing I, I wanted to mention as well, which is if you're going to give clues, make them physical. Either write it down or write it out or whatever. You don't have to have a letter. Yeah. But if you mention something in passing, you can't re- expect everybody to remember that after eight hours of playing. And it's, it's, yes, it's a tried trope in the detective novels. Somebody sees something and then they put it together at the end of the, at the end of the book. Aha, I saw that guy leaving the scene of the crime. But it's harder in a role-playing game. You also, they also, oftentimes, especially if it runs more than one day, they often need something to remind them to go through and, and re-review. Re- and re- it, it, It's a different animal. 
that make sense? I got lost in my metaphors. <laughs> I love reading uh, detective fiction, and I almost never figure out who did it before the detective. I mean, they've got all the clues right there, but yeah, and then it makes it even worse in a. And what I like about those is that they then explain the reasoning, but unless you're going to let your players make up the reasoning and then say, yeah, that's why, <laughs> and just adopt their reasoning as <laughs> as the answer, that's not going to work out for you. Yeah. So. There, there is a mechanic. <clears throat> it's in leverage? Yeah, well, I hear you very good actually, things about You get that. to actually go, basically go back. Oh, and retcons and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. spend like a Benny and say, "Oh no, I went, I went through and rerouted yeah. that in the previous scene that we just are now depicting no, as you a totally flashback." Can. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Which is a, a cool idea. I'm, you know, not sure how how it would work for the games I've run, but right. yeah, you'd have to not. build them with that assumption in mind. I think. Right. Right. Exactly. So to sum up, give lots of clues. Give them chances, or not even chances, just give them the clues, um, and make sure that they actually have a physical record of those clues, especially if it's going to run more than one day. Yeah, if they're going to find a matchbook, make a matchbook. It's awesome when right. you, you get the little things. Yep. If, they, that yep. if there's a photograph, Definitely. make some photographs. And if you're running... And make, well, them, make them obvious clues. Yeah. Yes. Uh, take, your, take your clues and you know make them obvious, again, more obvious by at least half, because you're, you're too smart for them. I agree, and it's and again, it's not about the figuring out of the clue; it's the figuring out of the entire mystery. The clues are can be a real trip up, tripping point. Otherwise, yep. Yeah. All right, fuck clues. Yeah, fucking a. <laughs> right. Uh, thank you, Manuel. Uh, from the desk of Commander McBrag. Greetings, you, you who enjoy the coital company of parents of the feminine nature. Is he calling us motherfuckers? I think so. Parents <gasps> of the feminine nature. In episode, I did not know that. That's I good. <laughs> I did not know. In episode <laughs> eleven fifteen, you touched on idea that it is <laughs> the player's responsibility to go back in search of previously encountered adventure hooks, and not the GMs to keep bringing it to the forefront. I think I kind of remember that. Yeah. What I usually do is keep time moving. The adventure hook doesn't get paused in time. It in time just because the players aren't present. Ah. For example... Yeah, yeah. You do that. Yeah. <clears throat> I, uh, for example, a hook to rescue a captive princess becomes a mission to recover the body and exact revenge. Well, it's dark. Uh, yeah. My typical problem is that I have way too many stories I want to share, so I try to be conscious that there shouldn't be too many things going on at once and that the players need downtime. You can have a table with each plot hook on the left side and who and who will do what when. I thank you, good sirs, who provide one another with gentlemanly pleasure of oral natures. Cocksuckers. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I thought was, I was waiting. I was looking for a hobo blowjob thing. Oh. I, I thought that the first time I was like, Regarding alignment, no, I shall not partake of such shenanigans and tomfooleries. All right. So, um, yeah. There you go. I'm of two minds about this. You know, I, I, I agree with what he's saying. It's like if something happened, you just sort of keep it going. The other hand is, if I've got a perfectly good plot hook that nobody picked up, I will save it for later. 
And and I do agree that you can't overwhelm your players with uh, um, too many choices. Because if you have a major overarching thing and you keep throwing shit at them, they're never going to finish any one of them. Yeah! They're just going to get completely <laughs> sidetracked. They're going to leave the town and then... You know, it's so... Throw one Next or two. thing you know, they're going to go bear hunting. Yeah, right? <laughs> so so uh, throw one or two, three at them, and then stop. And let them and let them fill those out, right? <laughs> this isn't a role-playing game that every time you roll into town, there's a bunch of people with question marks over their head that you have to then go and solve their little problems. That's not the way these games are done. <laughs> you're, you're, you, once they get a plot hook, let them alone. Let them finish that. You know? No stews. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah but, on the, but on the flip side, but on the flip side, if you provide the, the hooks and then age them as they go along and do stuff, yeah, we're not going to go and rescue that princess. And so when they get back into town, yeah, we heard the princess is dead. Well, that's because nobody. But you gave them her. the plot hook and they, they just decided not to take it. Or, right, know, right. They, they physically right. said, no, no. no. But, but now you've got stuff going on in the background that they don't necessarily have to feel responsible for, but it gives the feeling that there's stuff going on in the world that they could interfere with if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so I, I kind of like that. You know, you, you don't have to say, you must go and rescue the princess. No, nah, we're not going to do it. Okay, she's dead. You don't, you don't have to do it like that. You just say, oh, there's just this news that the, kid, the princess has been kidnapped. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> outside our pay scale. <laughs> but at least it's going on, and there's... There's things happening in the world besides, you know, so the edge of the map doesn't, you know, turn to white yeah. space. Mm-hmm. Some other exactly. murder hobos went and rescued the princess, and they were all getting decorated and stuff, and, you know, except for the yeah, Wookiee. Yeah, that would and be you guys, awesome. you guys, meanwhile, just spent the entire day arguing in the end. Fighting bears. <laughs> Fighting bears. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, Commander McBrag, for the email. Uh, we have an urgent one that's several weeks late because I, for- I didn't notice it was marked urgent, even urgent. though that was the first word in oh, the no. subject. Urgent email from Seth that we're reading oh, seven man, weeks late. It says here, call 911. <laughs> I'm starving. Oh. Well, I can probably skip it. I don't think that's he's terrible. listening anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm sure probably he's rage quit by now. Yeah. He's rage quit. <laughs> Table flip, <clears throat> mic drop out. Uh, dear enjoyable genital rubbins. I, they just used to call us douchebags. Now it's like getting, everybody's getting waxing poetic with us. I have Ooh, a pretty big problem. <laughs> <laughs> not, not Brazilian waxing poetic. Hey yo! Yikes! I have a pretty big problem. Okay, now he's bragging. <laughs> I have a pretty big problem. I've listed this email as urgent because I I don't figure I can't figure out how to fix this problem soon. My game is going to fail harder <laughs> than your mom's diet on free taco night. <laughs> My gaming group has rarely stayed, has rarely strayed from the good old Dungeons and Dragons, but I decided it was time to bring something fresh to our table. A game that you guys have shilled so hard that your names were put in the damn book. That's right, Savage Worlds. The problem is this. After five sessions, none of the players have spent a single penny, and I can't figure out how to force them to. (laughs) They keep trying to stockpile them. Obviously, Savage Worlds isn't meant to be run without bennies. We've had one combat, and without being able to soak damage, the players were too scared to even get into one and into another one. <laughs> Normally, this would be just fine, but the players aren't exactly huge role players either, so the sessions have devolved into a lot of running in terror and asking NPCs to do everything for them. <laughs> I've tried everything I could think of to get them to stock stockpiling the bennies. But nothing seems to work. I traded in my poker chips for bottle caps, which I thought were cooler. That didn't work. 
Although I don't know why I thought it would. When the players <laughs> needed an item that they absolutely did not have, I told them that I'd give it to them for a penny. They hesitated and decided to go on without it. I even told them that I would allow them to trade bennies for instant heals or instant kills or fucking auto successes. Anything! Still, no. They might need them later, fucking morons. <laughs> Before you ask, no, we do not track bennies from session to session. They reset at the beginning of each game as they are supposed to. So what are they saving them for? Have any of you had problems like this? I doubt I'm the only one. Any help would be appreciated, preferably from my before my players decide that it's safest to stop adventuring together and just. <laughs> and each session is me narrating their <laughs> working at part-time jobs. <laughs> Thanks, Sepsy. Penis. See what he did there. P. Yeah, and he put a ness. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've never met Stu in person, I get the impression that he would taste fully butter or really What's buttery. With people equating you with. Look at me. Food. Yeah, he's I don't know. There was like the whole <laughs> serving. You don't dress like this and, and not get unwarranted attention. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I've been told I have the mouthfeel of Crisco. Oh. <laughs> and we bring it back to fail. Sorry. That's, that's <laughs> he's asking, so, uh, so not not quite butter. Not buttery vegetable <laughs> oil. Buttery Crisco is what I want. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! I just I'm trying to enjoy my beer and really. Uh, some yeah. Suddenly got all. You know. <clears throat> yeah. I had this. I have the same problem every time I play test my game, which has something like a Benny, but it's probably a little more powerful yeah. than a Benny. Yeah. And people don't spend them. Yep. They're harder harder to earn, but I don't. I, if they were saving in between sessions, I could see hoarding them. Like maybe yep. one day you're going to have us fight a dragon, and I want to have yeah. seventy five Bennies when that happens. I can understand that, but if they if you're going to lose him at the end of the session anyway, and just get yeah. back to the next the same three, unless he's not giving enough. Well, that's what I was wondering because I think if you if you are fairly generous for a while, um, they would maybe feel like they could use them more freely. Yeah. Um, if you try uh, that I, thing, I would say I, I would say they need the flip side, which is they need to be a lot more threatened. The players that need to have too. a lot bigger threats. Yeah, yeah. Well, they numbers. just run away. He says they keep running or avoiding conflicts altogether. Like, can we yeah. sneak well, by you're it? You're the GM. You're the GM. Make it stop. <laughs> you, you, my my thought is actually is actually to bring in a ringer. Is to actually bring in a guy that knows how to play Savage Worlds and keeps throwing his bennies around. It's like he charges into the fight, right? And they're like, "Wait, what are you doing? Watch this!" And he starts throwing bennies around, and he wins. They're going to be like, oh, so you need somebody to instigate it, I think, rather than just yeah. keep throwing, you know, having them get wandering damage or keep throwing monsters at them until they <laughs> rise to the occasion. I think they need to, they need somebody to lead I the do, way. I do think, too, if they're newer uh, t to the system, it sounds like they are and they're only five sessions in or something like that, that. Uh, you do have to kind of pop your cherry with the bennies. It's to true. Get more comfortable. Like oh, okay, they're going to come back. Especially they're if they've gonna... just been doing D and D. It's a mechanic yeah. that they're not really used to. I mean, the benny. Everybody's used to hoarding things in D and D. You hoard your potions. You hoard uh -huh. your magic items. You hoard your gold so you can buy something new. And a benny's just another thing that they think they need to hoard. I get that, but they need someone to break them of that habit to yeah. so that they understand that the that. If you spend a Benny and do something immediately heroic, you might get another Benny back. You didn't really spend it. You just, you know, it's a 
it's a, it's like Bitcoin. It can keep coming around, you know? <laughs> I, well, so before Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would be curious. And then, what's that? Sweet? Go ahead. You'd be curious what? Oh, just how many bennies are necessarily flying around and maybe otherwise try that thing where everybody gets two chips that they can benny uh, their, you know, the other players at the table to just... Uh, get even more out I there. Think they, I just don't. I don't think they're used to spending things. I think, that, like yeah. I said, they're used to D and D where they everything they keep and they hoard their potions for, like Stu said, in case a dragon attacks them from out of nowhere. And a Benny's just another thing that they think they need to hold on to. Uh, they don't understand that the the mechanical advantage per se. Maybe they do, you know, where they read it, but they just don't. Like I said, I think they need someone to lead the way. Mm-hmm. And I think he needs to kill off some characters. <laughs> really. Really desperate situation where they gotta use it or they're gonna die. And if they don't use it, okay, they're gonna die. Yeah, die. <laughs> yeah, you survive that if you had just spent a Benny. You know, you no, get wandering no. damage. How are you gonna survive? Oh, more wandering damage. You better spend a Benny. Gotta spend a Benny. Gotta spend. A- oh, you died. Sorry. Yeah, just have, 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 have the party piss someone off who's got friends. Corner them in an alley. Because I'm especially soaking damage. I know. I mean, because being injured in, in Savage World sucks. You can do it for re-rolls, all kinds of things. Yeah, but... Mm-hmm. Well, it says he tried. I mean, he says that he tried to even give them fucking auto-successes. I guess that's auto-successes. Yeah. They're trying to have sex, so we're back to Savage World's fatal. Yeah. But, wow. <laughs> I wish I had some of those in college. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. That's right. <laughs> No bennies. No, oh, no, bennies. No. Oh, yeah. No, no, well, not like, fatal. What you, I don't know what you were talking about. Oh, I was talking about an auto success bennies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. In college. <laughs> for, for the ladies. All right. Thank you, Seth. Nort from Illinois. Nort from Illinois. Nort's email? Yeah. Hello again. There's a lot of short ones this time. Yeah. Oh no, he he doesn't say douchebags. He, he says, says douche bags. bags. Deuce. Yeah, Irma the douche bags. <laughs> Which <laughs> that's a colostomy bag, isn't it? It's a douche bag. <laughs> I know. This isn't the one that says in regards to. <laughs> Took Stu a second or two. <laughs> I was S- reading something and then sunk I'll, in. my subconscious picked it up. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. A douche bag. <laughs> An entirely different type of bag. I can empty my deuce bag. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) That should be a brand of them. Deuce bags? Yeah. Colossal bags? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. First of all, all, thanks for the advice on my last email and the picking fun. Uh, It made me laugh really hard on my uh, commute to school. Yeah, deuce bags. Oh, you're welcome. I was glad to do that. Uh, since I left my D&D group a couple weeks ago due to 4E just not giving me what I want, I see why it's not the best system. Because everyone is just murder hobos in disguise. That's not 4th edition's fault. No. (laughs) (laughs) And they're not really in disguise either. Uh, I have decided to run a Call of Cthulhu game for four friends of mine. Oh, there you go. Yeah, some uh, who are new to role-playing. Now to the question, what Call of Cthulhu system and edition do you guys recommend I use? Sincerely, Nort from Illinois. P.S. Take a drink. That's the first take a drink. 
I have I have two suggestions, but Jeb, do you have a, do you have some thoughts on this? Yes, I just said it uh, a little yeah. while ago. Trail, Trail. Trail of Cthulhu. That was my yeah. that was my number one too. I also I was thinking GURPS as well because GURPS is a great Cthulhu as well. Yeah, and if you're looking for a decent book of adventures, um, the book called No Security by Caleb Stokes from RPPR. Um, he ran a session out of it, and he plans them in a really cool way. He's got a flowchart of each of the the clues and where they would lead you to. And so as a GM, it's really hard to get lost in it because it's like, oh, well, they're at this place. It's going to lead to this next place. Cool. That's smart. Yeah, very hmm. smart. And so just just a suggestion there. So, yeah, Trail of Cthulhu. Um, the, the tension comes not from the monster so much, but as you are running out of points to spend on your skills... And as things get harder, because the monsters get more, de- you, you get more and more desperate because you just know, I can't cope with this. And that was the thing that made sense to me. Your character's getting tired. He's getting frightened. He's terrified. And so all his skills are losing points, but the monsters keep coming, and you still got to make higher rolls and things like it's that. It's not like and this so, weird abstract sanity roll that you'd have to make, and then not go, oh, I'm well, it's got it, It's got sanity mechanics as well. Does it? Oh yeah, yeah, it does have that. It does have that, but um, just the way the way Trail of Cthulhu works it out, the you're using one six sided die for everything, so you're not doing a lot of highly detailed combat like you would in GURPS or Hero. So that's a uh, that's something that really made sense to me because you're not fighting okay. this giant monster; you're trying to outsmart it with your rapidly dwindling pool of points. So that that would be my suggestion. I hadn't realized, I hadn't thought about that. Like you, I had read the I've read the book, but I've never played the game. I didn't realize that there was an economy to that that skill mechanic. But that makes a lot yep. of sense. I yep. hadn't, I there are two kinds of two kinds of skills. There's your investigative skills, which those are the ones where if you have points in that skill, you just get the clue. And then there are the general skills, which are your, your more active things where you're going to be making roles to see if you accomplish something. For instance, I was playing a mountain climber, and so I had athletics at a very high skill. But when we would encounter these difficult challenges, you're rolling one six-sided die. And if you have to make a DC 5, a difficulty 5 roll, well, you've got to spend some points to be sure you're going to make that. Otherwise, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And... But then later on in the game, you don't have those points anymore, and now you've got to run away from a bunch of monsters. Make a difficulty roll. Oh, crap, I don't have any more athletics points. Now what do I do? And balancing that stuff. And you do get them refreshed during the game, but never as many as you spend. And so That makes a lot of sense. The longer you play the game, the harder it gets. Because yes, you exactly are getting, right. You're running out of resources, you're getting tired, you're yep. just getting beat up, you keep getting scared. Every yep. time the cat jumps so to the window... Yep, and that's where the tension comes in, is because, oh, crap, my character doesn't have enough to do this stuff. I spent all my points climbing that that rock face, and now I've got nothing left, so they're going to kill me. And that's what wound up happening to me and my partner. We were out of points. We couldn't run away anymore. And so... <laughs> we ran away. There come the monsters. And, uh, and, yeah, we were surrounded. And so all our friends let loose this ice slide, and there was no way for us to avoid it. We had no points left. And so we died gloriously. It was great. It turned us into a pulp at the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the, other, so, the other thing that I, I would maybe consider as well is, is go with 
old vanilla Call of Cthulhu. If you got people who are brand new to a role playing game, if they don't ha- if they don't have any concept for characters or anything like that, you got a random character generation. You can get your stats and then look at them and see what would be the best archetype. Mm-hmm. And, I mean that that's also a possibility. That's the only Cthulhu I've played. Uh, well, the the only, there is one other choice that you could do, and it's it's a radical choice. Yeah. It's Cthulhu Tech. Oh, where you yeah. play a guy in a bioorganic suit and you go and kick Cthulhu's ass. You play, it's a whole team of them. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, remember the, remember the movie green. The Guyver? Whatever, remember the, it was like an alien suit? Yeah. It's just a whole team of people that are suited right. up in Guyvers. It's like a trans... It, it's, that's more science fiction than I it know. is horror, I, I think. I mean, it, it, is, it can be horror, it's certainly. More like, it's more like aliens as opposed to aliens. Yes. That. Yes. And it, <laughs> not, let's hope your game doesn't turn out like Prometheus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I finally saw that piece of crap. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, oh so man, much, so many possibilities, and you're like, "That's it? That's what <clears throat> you came up with?" Oh, by the way, I saw your <clears throat> Facebook post. You didn't like World War Z? I hated it. Did you oh, really? Man, just now, terrible, terrible did, movie. Did you read the book? I did and loved it, um, but that's not necessarily the reason why I hated the movie. I was perfectly prepared to give it a chance, but I uh, just Brad Pitt. Globe trotting all over the world, and he's the guy who saves the world. Just him? No, 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 no. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally gonna spoil. Totally gonna spoil. That's fine. So yeah, it's just uh, what a terrible. And my, you know, my wife and my daughter were watching it too. My daughter, who wrote her senior paper on uh, what it would be like to try and actually survive the zombie apocalypse. Uh, That's awesome. You must be so proud. That's so cool. My senior, oh, she, my, got an a, she got an A on it. I was so pleased because <laughs> I edited it. <laughs> I worked hard for that A, damn it. Um, but uh, no, it just—it was not a very well thought out movie. Uh, you just inject some botulism into yourself, and suddenly zombies don't want to eat you. I don't buy it. That means that anybody who has ever had Botox. Just zombie immune. Oh, see, That's I hadn't just... even thought of that. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. Taste or anyone, that. anyone who's got an active and uh, any sort of active viral infection. Yep. Right. Oh yeah. Yep. Because those uh-huh. don't ever really completely go away. Yeah, I got herpes. I had or, <laughs> yeah, shingles. I got, I got herpes, <laughs> and the zombies won't eat me. They just go skipping naked through the street. <laughs> Until you get to penicillin and you get to lose the force now because your metachlorides got killed off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, thing I, the, the one thing I liked about it was it, I, it's been a long time since I've seen a fast zombie movie. Yeah, but that was another thing is that uh, the Max Brooks zombies were shamblers, not sprinters. That, well, um, yeah, but, but this, is, this is a film based on a book with the same title as. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Clearly. Because <laughs> okay, I... I, right, I but, Big nit to pick. All right, they're all on this plane, right? Brad Pitt and all these people on this plane flying from Jerusalem to Wales. They're going to fly to Wales. You can't get, get on a direct plane. flight from Jerusalem to Wales. No, I call shenanigans. Um, well, that's bad enough. And then I bet you none of them ever found their. I bet you none of them ever found their luggage either. But anyway, and the motherfucking snakes in the motherfucking plane. <laughs> they're flying to Wales. I don't know. That's got to be a long trip, right? And we have established that the zombies in this movie change in 12 seconds. Right. You get bit, you're a zombie in 12 seconds. How is it there's a guy in the bathroom who's a zombie? 
who comes out and infects the whole plane, and nobody <laughs> Like, three it. hours into the trip? Right. No, it's more like eight, because they're about to land in Wales, and it's like, oh, hey, we're on final approach, and there's a zombie in the toilet, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old zombie in the toilet. Play. Maybe oh. he maybe he caught it in the toilet, on the from the toilet seat. <laughs> the toilet seat, you know? I'm rethinking this whole thing here. That's, you got me with that one. That's, uh... Hey, Jeb. Yeah. The uh, chat room wanted to know uh, in your game, your Cthulhu game, you died, but did you go insane for the true win of Call of Cthulhu? Uh, no. Although Steve from Postcards was uh, was in that game as well, and he did go totally bug fucked. He, uh, <laughs> he fell into this chasm, splashed into this water that led into a portal to the other side and he saw the monster's other side and he totally lost it. So he swam back to our side of the universe through his, he was a journalist, so he threw his bag of notes to somebody and he says, you take these, make sure they get published. I found a better story. And then he dove back in and went back to the other <laughs> side. <laughs> That's <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Um, that was style awesome. right there. You had to give him points for that one. That was amazing. Yeah. So. On the Q&A, Rick number seven, uh, this is uh, back to the spending Benny's thing real quick. Talking about Benny's, I've stolen the Fate Dungeon World thing. If you use a Benny to do something amazing, you at worst fail forward. Without the Benny, you can truly fail, but with the Benny, a fail is succeeding with consequence. Oh. That's a good idea. I might help. I like that. I do. I like that. I just, I, I still agree with you. Just scare him into, into using them. You just yeah. need Leroy Jenkins. Leroy <laughs> Jenkins! And he leads them all into like they have to spend their bennies. <laughs> I don't know. That party sounds like it'd be, who is that guy? He runs in there yep, and dies. exactly. And yeah. <laughs> Not helping. Run away. Run away. Email <laughs> from the great... The store. Oh, sorry. Email <laughs> from the great Verm... Great, Verm. Who's going to read? The, who, have oh, you, I think it's back to Jeb. Jeb? Oh, this yeah. is back to Jeb. It's back to me. Back to me. All right, email from the Great Verm. Greetings, crew. I wondered if any of you as DMs have ever gotten too much heat, borrowing a pro wrestling term, on an NPC. <laughs> heat, that's that stuff you rub on your muscles to relax. I'm going to do That is, have you gotten either the players or the PCs so mad at an NPC that they went way out of their way to be horrible to them? The last mini-campaign I GM'd with my regular group ended in something that would have bordered on a gaming horror story, for me at least, had I not known these guys for several years already. Can you get too much heat on an NPC, or have I just discovered my buddies are a little more messed up than I already thought? <laughs> Chad, a.k.a. Great Worm, on the forums. Um, I don't think you can get too much heat on a NPC. If they want to go and rub out an NPC in horrible ways, hey... That means you did something right. You really pissed them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I generally agree. Yeah. I still don't understand why everyone wanted Windy Doors dead so quickly. <laughs> it was the accent. Really it must did. have been. It was the it was the stained shirt and the smell. <laughs> he, he was. <laughs> it was it was really he, he gross. Loved to eat. Yeah. Because you guys like overkilled him. Well, <laughs> we were 
if we gave him a chance to do anything, we were, were feared. It's Savage Worlds, you know? Okay, we that's, were, true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. He, he, he didn't even really find out how dangerous he was. He never even got to roll anything. He just got to I, really? That was strategy. <laughs> that was tactics, is what that I was. I guess. Now, I, don't, I don't think I've ever actually fostered enough hatred in an NPC to get to get you guys to actually go out of your way. I not recently, but I remember in high school there was an NPC that we all hated, and he sort of turned into like the arch rival. But yes. that's that's kind of an exception to the rule. It's not just in, you know, it's not just that ordinary blacksmith that you don't like. He sort of became this. He, he was doing awful things to children or something. I don't remember no. all the specifics. So he ended up being like, "Fuck it, let's let's get this, let's get rid of this guy." So, but that was, I mean, that was part of the the, the plot. We. That was our story hook at that point in the DM. Really? You want to go after the NPC instead of this really cool dungeon I had set up? Yeah, fuck that. So he spent like two weekends in the town tracking this guy down. Yeah. So. I, I had a similar experience uh, back in college with a NPC that robbed some of the players, and that was it. That He was the arch enemy. Uh, the, the bad part comes when they catch him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The word murder hobo doesn't do it justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's more like torture murder. Yeah, hobo, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole. That's a whole other topic. That was it's, it, players. Players can be evil. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I'm lawful good, but we need to torture this goblin for info. Someone's come Why? up with it because he he stole a gem from me, and he's and he's a <laughs> goblin. Who cares? <laughs> he's got it coming to him. Yeah. So we're gonna murder him and his family. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I, I think that Great Worm, um, you, your your buddies are got some issues. I no, I think they're completely normal. I think it's just what we all. <laughs> they're do. all murder hobos. All players are murder hobos. <laughs> it's just we don't trust our GMs. You know, you, you show up with a guy that that's, it's obviously a hedge wizard and doesn't has terrible hygiene. We're going to take him out fast because otherwise he's going to take us out. All right, if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> Email from Jason. PPS Australian robot, please. Dear pricks, <laughs> hey, I'm listening to episode four. Uh, I, I, I want to shout when I do the Australian accent thing. Do. <clears throat> I can't do it. I'm listening to episode, to season five, episode whatever, and I'm pissed off now. I hate swords and wizardry, and it's Tyler's fault. He's not here, so sorry. You no, know, we can blame him then. I hope he was remembering wrong when he said that there's a sidebar that there's a sidebar lying to people. Once again, I feel the need to defend something I don't even really like. Maybe he means there's a sidebar about lying to people. Ah, probably. Okay. A fighting man did not originate as a fallback class for characters with low stats. For one thing, there were originally no stat requirements for all four character classes, only XP penalties and bonuses. You don't even get combat bonuses for high strength until the early supplements. Also, no thief. The fighting man mainly could get multiple attacks against weaker foes at higher levels and other class abilities, but otherwise, every class's two hit numbers were the same at first level. I still don't understand that. The title for a level one fighting man was Veteran. Maybe he was wounded by default. took an arrow through the gym. At this point, I should clarify that Swords and Wizardry White Box Edition, there's more than one? <laughs> <laughs> is the one that attempts to more or less clone original D&D, the 74 game. Oh, he put game in quotes. Yes. <laughs> snap. Wow. Straight up swords and wizardry, wizardry, wizardry clones 
one or more of the basic D&D sets. And I don't remember exactly which one. I have the Swords and Wizard. I have a hardbound edition of it. Really? Um, and I'm... I'm... And it's kind of a hybrid. It's not like... I don't think it's like basic D&D. I think it's more of... It's like in-between. In-between Zero Ed and... Certainly not AD&D, but like basic or expert edition. It's But it's in between them. There is considerable chance of specific wording in the book wouldn't upset me as much as hearing about it second-handed. Okay, there you go. And I'll tell uh, I'll tell Tyler that you he's pissed off yet another Australian. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> P.S. Back has, in season five, no less. In season five? Yeah. I, was he even on the show in season five? Sure. No, but is that the game that they were playing where Bruce pooped, pooped on the guy? Pooped on the guy, yeah. yeah. That's the game where that's, Bruce pooped on yeah. <laughs> Pooped on his chest. Yes. Yeah. Oh, not in the I mouth. believe that's referred to as a Cleveland steamer. Oh, no. It is. Not a Cincinnati steamer. <laughs> Cincinnati <laughs> steamer is a boat that rides on the river. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but to do it otherwise involves some cellophane and a lot of gymnastics. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> P.S. Has anybody set Paranoia game in Rokugan yet? Oh, that'd be a, that'd be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about hating who, NPCs. Who would, who would friend computer be? <laughs> friend Shogun? I don't, well, you'd have to like extrapolate Rokugan until it was a, a dystopian science fiction setting. And I, that's a lot of extrapolation. No, it's just yeah. any Japanese anime. Okay. All right, Akira. Yeah, like the big. Yeah. Okay. Oh, f- crap! It's my turn. Is it? You, yeah, D and D. Oh, Stork got the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Felicitations! Oh, this is, thank, thank you, thank you, Jason. So this is from D and D Dad. Felicitations, douchebags. Over warning. I'm writing in to say. I'm glad you guys are still going strong and supporting our fantastic hobby and providing insight where people who are new or confused about the hobby can go and hear how a successful group plays together and give hope to all of those still wandering in the wilderness of gaming. Now, here is my question, which will segue into another horror story that has happened to me since becoming an adult-aged gamer. Oh. How? I noticed that he spelled segue like a little two-wheeled scooter. <laughs> he did. I'm a proofreader. I'm sorry. I can't help see these things. How do you deal with annoying players? You mean people who are pedantic proofreaders? Yes. Of the many annoying players, that could be an example, yes. Um, How do you deal with annoying players? I know there are many archetypes of of annoying players. So I'll focus on the one... I've had the most recent experience with. Mm-hmm. I mean those players that are either want to sidebar you as either the GM or players so much that they are so away from the game in their discussion it becomes a distraction, or those who want to impress you on how awesome their past characters were slash are that they border on the nigh-bullshit level. I'll give you time to delve and discuss before I go on to my encounter. Well, that's two examples, but I mean, there can be needy players, and they want attention all the time, and that's basically, the, those players are the, of the same genre. They want the attention all the time. And that could be, tri- that could be very tiring for GM and group. I have had players who ha- 
who have been very sidebarty. Um, Bruce. Uh, Bruce is one of them. To the point where I actually had to say, you know, we've got X number of people sitting at the table, and every time you pull me away for a sidebar, it's ten minutes, and you yeah. pulled me away for six sidebars. That's an hour yeah. of game time, multiplied by how many people are sitting around the table not doing anything. Yep. <coughs> and that stopped. It's, it's that's also Bruce. But it's also eleven people, right? But that, I mean, that's that's that's. I'm giving you a note, and he goes, "Oh, okay." Yeah. And then it and it changes. Yep. I don't know if everyone does that. No, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen it, and, and certainly always that's the first place to start with that annoying player. Now I don't know about the talking about past characters and oh my past character was so awesome let me tell you about my past character you know what what, what I gosh if only I was playing a guy with a vorpal sword he could have done this that guy I I don't I've never met that guy yeah alrighty (laughs) so here's my nightmare a snail is crawling on the edge of a razor no wait never mind Uh, let me give you a little background around the time of Pat and the Bullywog incident it's a bullywog. It's bullywog, Pat. <laughs> wandering damage. Wandering. Is that right. the wandering that's damage a, yeah, one? That's yeah, that's wandering damage. was wandering damage. Isn't it? There was a parallel group of gamers in my school uh, ran by another friend of mine. A friend, a good friend to this day, Brett. Thing is, my group comprising of the likes of Pat never played in other games. We probably were all assholes and didn't play well with others anyway. And despite our loss of a, quote, great DM like him, we were probably dicks ourselves. I I was a dick as a DM in high school. I freely admit it now, in hindsight. I think uh, teenage boys are pretty much just narcissistic dicks anyway. That's kind of what... Yeah, it's a forgivable sin. It, well, so forgivable. yeah. Being a dick in high school is like the ground state of being. <laughs> <laughs> it Jeff, is, didn't you? It is the baseline, isn't it? Go ahead. I, Jeb, didn't you write in about uh, some dickish behavior... He did. That you, yeah, were, that, you felt very I, badly that about I myself, That I myself committed, I did. I yeah. know. And so I'm trying to sort of, you. you know, sympathize with the <laughs> <laughs> He was really hoping we wouldn't remember that, Gina. <laughs> no, no wonder thought, you're I being think, so forgiving. I yeah. he was being too hard on himself. I think you were being too hard on yourself. <laughs> so here we are, two gaming groups playing the same game for many years in tandem, but never crossing our gaming streams. <laughs> Fast forward... <laughs> Aren't you not supposed to do that? Swords, yeah. No, you don't. Cro- never cross the streams. Bad things could happen. Imagine life as you know it ceasing to exist, and every atom <laughs> in your body is hurling away at the speed of light. <laughs> fast forward yeah, a decade. <laughs> okay, good note. Thanks, Egon. Uh, fast forward a decade, and I meet a guy at work that I apparently went to school with, but never met as we uh, as he was a few years younger than me. We got to talking about gaming, and apparently he used to play in the other group run by my buddy. Or so I thought. So by time by the time this guy joined that group, Brett had already moved on, and the other players stayed and took over. He said Brett was a legend in this in his storytelling and character development, but he never played with him. He played with a guy named Matt, another guy I went to school with. Matt was, by all accounts, a smelly gamer troll, Yay. and had a lot of issues that stem from bad hygiene and his own social indiscretions, Yay. which led him to DMing his games and teaching uh, his, this group of players in the ways that I believe ruined this group forever. But that is another story for another time. 
Fast forward a year, and after I failed attempt to play in the remnants of this group, I abandoned them entirely and started playing with my current group, consisting of my brother-in-law and his motley crew of droogs and drunks. Dude, I'm so making a game called Droogs and Drunks. That needs to exist. Yes. Um... Uh, which would be a good name for a game of gamers. Uh, anyway, after a few years playing with my group and establishing my place within our weekly second edition AD&D game, I came to our weekly session only to find there was someone new. Someone I've never met before. Let's call him Shin. He introduces himself as a longtime gamer in the town that I grew up in. Of course, as gamers, we must establish territory when meeting the other local <laughs> gamers by asking who they played with. He told me he used to play with these guys all of whom were part of this other group. Funny, when I played with this other group, I never heard of this Shin character, and I didn't reveal that I knew all of his old group and, in fact, played with them before, or the fact that I labeled him as douchebags and decidedly really never spoke to them again. Immediately, my guard was on. Who was this person, and why did he get stricken from the accounts of this other group? A group who, in fact, ran a game compromising of fast-forwarding to bosses, only to be utterly destroyed by the GM's character to save the group. Only to be destroyed by the DM's character to save the group, creating such wildly insane character backstories that they were already kings before they had ever started adventuring at first level, and other gamer masturbation techniques commonly practiced by this group. I must stop, as that is another story as I've said before, and we'll write in with that horror story some other day. Shin immediately placed my senses to danger as we started playing, and he brought in his pre-gen character. A practice of my group as that when a new person comes in, they're allowed to bring in a character that played in another group. We do this mainly to see what type of character and person we have among us and what we can expect out of them. His character didn't let us down in deciding what type of player he was. This character was, in fact, two characters. Twin god-lovers of war and love. They were twins, gods, and lovers. <laughs> Dear Lord. Was plastered all over our faces as he regaled us with the time they destroyed Waterdeep and enslaved angels of... A-O? Uh, yeah, that's a, Baltimore, that's, a, that's a word from Baltimore that's pronounced ow. Ow! <laughs> that's, uh, that's Cockney, isn't it? Ow! Um, that's Baltimore on actually. No, Baltimore. <laughs> uh, and that they could only be destroyed by Ew himself, but that they banished him to a place he could never return, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. They banished Ew to Baltimore. Ew. He didn't notice that about ten minutes into this, we stopped listening to him cream about his character and how awesomely awesome it was and started playing our game. I commented to him, I have a level eight gnome mage and left it out there. Not once, through his ramblings about his gear and how he single-handedly changed the universe, did he notice or even try to join in on the game we were playing. Or the fact <laughs> that we're all... Uh, or the fact that we were all adults and stopped trying to impress people with stories of how amazing they were a long time ago. This went on for a session, and we had to stop looking at him. As when we did, he would jump into one-sided conversation about his glory days of dragon-funging. Yes, dragon funging, and other stuff that sounded like a 14-year-old looking at a bra selection at Sears catalog. We dubbed him the Conversation Dominator and told him that we were not playing again anytime soon, but thanks for stopping by. We've Anyways, got your headshot. We've got your resume. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll call you. Anyways, I'm sure whoever's reading this is going to cross-eyed so, uh, by now, so I'll end it with a big thank you, drink, 
and I'm happy to share my slice of shenanigans with you all. Also, in lieu of a PS, I will write my final thought here. <clears throat> it makes me laugh each time I hear the phrases wandering damage and bullywugs, as I feel it instilled an impression of an aspect of role-playing gone wrong. Yours in the Illinois D&D dad. Uh, and in fact, wandering damage and it's bullywugs, Pat, is uh, yeah. used by Jib and yeah. in, in many of, you, of the games you guys play, Gina. Uh, it, yeah, we uh, it's canon now. It's do you do you know the story, Jeb? Oh, I do, I do. Uh, I I love hearing Gina say they're bullywugs. <laughs> I know because <laughs> it's a great callback because it just it's. And yeah, we even brought up Wandering example. Damage earlier today. I mean, it's yeah. just, it is something that's become the canon for all of us. Like, oh, yeah, oh, you don't agree with me, huh? Bam, Wandering Damage. What <laughs> monsters yeah. are these? Oh, they're bullywugs, aren't they? Pat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Wandering Damage. <laughs> it, exactly. it really has become canon in many of our games, and it's the vernacular. And I think because we have been saying it enough that it's become, I think, the vernacular for many people. Yeah, so thanks for that. Yep. That's awesome. All right, I read the long one, Gina. Okay. Yeah, you, you read the long one, but do you have do you have characters that you go on and on about, or that you used to go on and on about? I mean, maybe. I know. maybe now, maybe. Not. now not. No, but there was you know back when we first started, we were sort of talking about games we used to play. Well, I had this game, and but you stop. It's kind of like talking about your kids. After a while, you realize that nobody really cares. Except you, <laughs> you, know, you love your kids, and that's that's and the people that you're yeah. telling get that. But after four hours of talking about your kids, they're like, you know what? I'm going to hate your kids if you don't shut the fuck up. So, I well, mean, it, and I found that the people do like to hear about your kids, but in really small doses. And I think it's the know, same thing to be yeah. said about characters. I'm like, yep, I agree. Give me a paragraph about your paladin that you played when you were in high school, and then we're done. Because that's about all yeah. I have patience for. No, I agree, and. Uh, I like to hear a cool thing about a about a character, but I don't sure. want to hear everything <laughs> about yeah. a game that I wasn't in. And it, and, you know, in a way, the, your characters are your your children, right? And and we've all met new parents, and they go on and on and on about how great their child is. And it's true, their child is great, and I'm not going to argue with them because I'm going to lose because to them their child <laughs> is great. But it's exactly the same, I think, with a lot of people, early players, or they had a, a long running game, and this this character is a child; it's sacred to them. And I, I think there's a lot of parallels so you could probably explore there. But the bottom line yeah. is, you know, that guy that goes on and on about his kid and how great it is is boring to yeah. after. Especially, especially if his kid is ugly and stupid. Ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then you don't, you can't tell him. You're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hate to break it to you, boy. That is one oh, ugly got, ass child. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at the time. Exactly. I'm amazed the doctor let that thing live. <laughs> so, are you going to plan any extra surgeries? Wait, what surgeries? No, I mean, are you, oh, oh, right. Oh, Gee, look at the time. That'd be so bad. <laughs> yeah, That's speaking of the time, we're down to like one email, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. 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 Email from James. Yeah, he's soldiering on. It's got, it's got to be like one o'clock there now. Is this like an exciting in China because we didn't know? I don't think we've ever an had an email China? from China before. In China! No. It says exclamation Just a phone point. call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mandarin. Uh, that's right. I can't believe you said that. Listen, man, two wongs don't make a white. Oh, <laughs> Where is it? Oh, there Cheers. it is. Yeah, crickets. <laughs> <laughs> that's a punchline to a Shaggy Dog story. It's about the the Chinese spies that were trying to beat the Wright brothers to the making of the first airplane. Well, it just goes to prove that two wongs don't make a right. I I I didn't yeah, write right. it. <laughs> I just. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just a conduit. Avoiding that joke made it so much better. Oh, I know how to make it funnier. Wait. It's a bullet. Where is it? Really? Where is that one? It's it's Oh, there it is. There you go. Rimshot. Exactly. Dear Happy Jacks, I wrote you a few months ago about my uneasiness in regard to jamming in real life with a new group. I do remember this. Also, he has emailed before. Okay. But yeah. still, China's exciting. And you, you, advised him, you advised him that he should GM for an imaginary group, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> Set up some stuffed, stuffed animals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lordy, this one's long. <laughs> We're not going to have a magic tea party. It's going to be a Mountain Dew party. Ah, <laughs> oh, Stork, the pun master general. That's what they said in the chat room. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. You got the puns. You're punny. Uh, so when, when in doubt, drop back in pun. <laughs> Since then, <laughs> I have grown more comfortable with the group, and I have jammed twice as of this writing. The first game was a one-shot in a new system I actually learned about by listening to your podcast. One of your listeners mentioned Tenra Bancho Zero, and I immediately went online and bought the PDF. The system is really good for running one-shots, and I'm happy to have learned of it. Your podcast has become a great way for me to discover systems that have slipped under my radar. When I visit my family in America this summer, I hope to pick up a copy of Mongoose Traveler. You guys have talked so highly of it that I have no choice but to try it now. I I'm, I'm keep pushing it. I think I it's a fantastic. It. I, it is, I think, one of the best like old classic system modernized That's still and that on. one yeah. book yeah, that should be in every gamer's library oh, you yeah. really only need just the one core book you can get the others if you need, if you want to but that one book should be in everybody's library and it mm-hmm. doesn't take up that much room and it's awesome don't make the mistake of getting traveler oh, no! I just oh, no! somebody was oh gonna, god yeah. I, I saw it at the game store the other day was and it, I, was I, it holding I up knew the... it wasn't mongoose traveler because i have mongoose traveler but I reached for it to pick it up just to see how big it was, because you guys have talked about it, and my hand kept reaching back and back and back. <laughs> we, were, we were lying. It can't possibly That's, be this thick. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't holding up the display case. That's a, it's, <laughs> The so shelf sad. was sagging that it was on. It's true. I think oh. you made it that big, so it's like an homage to 2001. So you walk in there, and it's just, oh, <laughs> this giant obelisk. That's right. That's going to crush you if it falls over on you. <laughs> I love systems of all types, from super crunchy to extremely role-play oriented. So I have now started GMing a campaign with my new group once again using a new system I learned about from your podcast, Fate Core. I almost said Fate. I have decided to run a Star Wars campaign, which is awesome, Yeah. Mm-hmm. using the system that takes place during the early years uh, of the Empire. So far, people like the game, but the combat has been a little slow. I think that is largely due to everyone being new to the system, however, and no one trying to create advantages in battle. If you know of any good actual plays for Fate Core or have any advice about the system, I would love to hear about it. I have um, no advice. I'm lamenting the fact I have yet to play a Fate game. I think, Gina, you played a, a couple of them. and I've I have, played a, quite a bit. I've been trying... To get in fake games, and they, for some reason, I just can't ever make it happen. I think for me, the creating advantage <laughs> piece, and Jeb, you probably have uh, some advice about this, but it was, I had to have like a little epiphany playing a character that was pretty much written uh, where the strengths were creating advantages. 
Um, and then when I figured out how fun that was, that actually became more fun for me uh, than actual, like, sort of traditional thinking about winning at something or, you know, fighting mm -hmm. or beating somebody. Yeah, uh, we're, um, my, my game group is running a fake core game right now, uh, set in the Weird West, and we're having a lot of fun with it, but we're not really doing well with the aspects part of it, because after a while, creating aspects gets to be a pain. In the middle of combat, yeah. you're creating an aspect, and now you got to come up with a cool name for it, and, yeah. and what it means, and everything like that. And, uh, especially if you're getting injured, a lot of the aspects turn out to be about the same. You know, okay, he's battered and bruised, so that's a two-point, that's a minor aspect. Oh, well, now he's got a broken leg, and now, oh, it's just you know, we, we keep doing that. And so we, too, are having some problems with the aspect uh, the aspect stuff. I would come up with some basic ones for injuries that are always the same. When you get that first minor one, you're battered and bruised. And that you, you don't have to think about the names for those. But uh, we're going to try some experimentation in our, in our next session where at least one of the players is going to do nothing but attempt to create aspects instead of dealing direct damage to the, uh, to the enemies. Because <laughs> so, they got into a big-ass fight with a big monster and had a hard time taking it down because they were just doing a straight slugfest where they were trying to deal damage like you would in D&D. &D. And what they really needed to be doing was stacking up aspects on it. So... Yeah, uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna try that next and see how that works. And out. to well, be and to be fair, that's an odd mechanic that takes a little getting used to. You know, yeah, where you're mm -hmm. trying to come up with things in the environment that you can use yep. to your advantage and how to stack it up. And it's it takes a long time for people to sort of turn off the dice roll and come up with things on their own. Like, oh, and it's dark yep. and it's well, rainy and it could be slick. The road there is the rocks is on rocks, so it's slick. That's a maybe a slip. I mean, all of that stuff that you're trying to come up with. It I could see how that could turn into a chore after honestly, a while. It, it, like I said, it was helpful for me because I literally on the character sheet had a character that, you know, had stunts where I would get bonuses to creating advantages. So it makes you start, it's the whole, you know, when you have a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail. Yeah. Right. So you start thinking like that, which is not intuitive, I don't think. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of a list of just sort of basic aspects. So that's a great idea. It's like, battered and bruised. It's worth this much, and that way it can kind of streamline it. So because after a while, people are like, "Well, I'm battered and bruised, but I said that last battle, so I'm I'm black and blue." Yeah. And you're trying to rename things and be creative. And after a while, it's like it's the same point bonus. Can we just call it that and move on? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Cool. Since this email has largely been about singing your praise, I will share with you one of my gaming horror stories. Cue horror story music. I don't have any. <laughs> Feel free to take drinks where you think it would be appropriate. There's always a theremin. It needs to be, you know. Uh, this is a tasty burger. <laughs> Not quite, but that'll do. Uh, this story begins with a new GM. One of my players, uh, one of the players of my old group, decided to finally try his hand at GMing. For the system, he picked Anima Beyond Fantasy, a very crunchy system, but a group favorite. Things got off to a bad start very quickly. The first session got into combat almost right away. A small town was under attack, and we were the only ones who could defend it. An army of extra-dimensional monsters were invading, and so the longest combat of my life began. 
<laughs> it took all of that session plus the first half of the next to defeat the army. Wow. This is a total of six hours of combat. But it was finally over and we boarded a train to our next destination. I didn't realize it at first. But we had just been literally railroaded by the GM. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> As we traveled to our destination, the train train came under attack by another train on a parallel track. Our party had a creation mage that literally that can literally create anything he can imagine. So he tried multiple attempts to derail the pursuing train, including dropping a wedge-shaped boulder on the tracks that was larger than the engine of the train. Of course, the train smashed through it, and the GM declared that it was a magic train, and his magic, uh, and his magic was useless. The mage had just spent most of his mana trying to stop it, and was effectively useless for the rest of the session. Wow! Yikes! Nice. So combat ended uh, ended up breaking out between us and the soldiers on the train, which also had mounted machine guns. Uh, or no, the train had a mounted machine gun. Yeah. We defeated the soldiers after a lot of effort, and our mage used the rest of his magic, every attempt of which accomplished nothing. Then we tried to destroy the train, but nothing would work. Finally, the GM messaged the mage privately. This was an online game. And told him to use the machine gun to destroy the train. What? I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is so... Basically, the GM wow. had come up with the one and only solution to the problem and told the players the way to do it, or to do it his way. The mage, of course, ignored the GM's demand, and we jumped back on our train. And he got wandering damage. Good. More <laughs> combat continued to happen, and we couldn't even get a minute to rest or role play. Finally, with all of us nearly dead, the mage completely drained, and more soldiers on the way, we all decided to jump off the train three days from our destination. We then spent the next couple days living in the woods while our mage regained his mana and was able to teleport us to our destination. We had literally derailed the jams game. Sounds good. like a good way, yeah. yeah. Fuck that. I know. Fuck the, this train. Fuck no, your you magic train. That That's machine it. Gun. We're going into the woods. Fuck you and your machine oh, no, gun. We're not you. doing it. The game continued on for about a month after that, but slowly died. To this day, though, it is still the best example of what not to do as a GM I have ever seen. And it does make me wonder how much leeway should players give a GM. Generally speaking... You want to follow the GM's plot hooks and go along with the story. But when the when should the players put their foot down? Sorry for the lengthy email. Hopefully my story was at least coherent. Sincerely, James in China. P.S. I thought it was really cool. You read my last email during the crossover episode with Fear the Boot. I like their podcast almost as much as yours. Awesome. Well, should the GM get any... Anyway, you no. know, when I, when I was a kid, we, we just DM'd and we played the way we knew how to play, and, and it yes. was fine. And, and it's only later when you go to cons and grow older and start realizing there's other styles and other ways to play out there that we realize how lacking we I, were. I, I have found that it is when I have gotten called out by players that I improve as a GM. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember I made a character who is, you know, as. For the boot refers to as the Baron Von, Von Badass. It was an NPC. <laughs> he was Zorro. Because the players were playing time travelers who went to a, a, like a, a Mission or Rancho era California. Mm -hmm. 
and they were basically fighting these other group of time travelers who were they were basically all trying to like sway history at this period of time for some reason. And here comes Zorro. <laughs> the, the Deus Machina. Right. And and it was actually Bill that called me out the on DMS it. Machina. Bill was like, oh great, we can't touch these fucking things. And this guy comes along like, okay, I'm Swooping okay. in on a rope. <laughs> and, and and that's when I had that's that but it took it took him basically throwing his dice in the air and saying, What the fuck? Right? Right. And that made me oh, okay, yeah, I guess that was kind of a dick move. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that's how that I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being as a player with being vocal when your GM is fucking up. I I, I think it's that's, I don't know that depending on it, if you're going to be rules lawyery about something that's different. But like if yeah. But to your point, like if it's story, uh, right. And you're really trying to push the narrative strongly in one direction, and people aren't. I, I don't think you have to give anybody leeway. No, I don't think so. I think, it's, I think it's okay to call them out and say, hey, come on. Yeah. All right, well, I'll play devil's advocate. There's Sometimes there's people that... We're, we're lucky we have a dearth of people that can GM and a, and a lot of... Play, a plethora. Dirt, a plethora of people plethora. that want to play, and we have the opportunity to have yeah, a lot of games. There's some people that that's... They have one guy that GMs, and that's their game, and they live in, you know, West Jesus, and they can't actually get people to play. So they're stuck with the DM that they have. And, you know, maybe they give them notes, or maybe they don't, but because they're afraid to scare them off. I, I think it's easy for us to sit down, you know, look out on our ivory tower and look at all the people clamoring that want to GM. I is think, it? I don't know if that's quite the same as is, experience everyone has. Is is a bad game better than no game? I think there are people that would be argue that. Yes. Yeah, it really depends on what your tolerance is. You know, if if you can stand it, if you can put up with it, and still have a good time, then. Yeah, all right, fine. But yeah. I say that the when it's not fun, when you're not having a good time, it's your duty to to say, "Hey, buddy, you know, we're not having a really great time with this. Can you? Are there ways to change it? Is there a um, way off this train? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the GM may not even know he's doing anything wrong. I mean, I right. think that speaks to the point of I mean, which is why this podcast came about. But and I think most of the podcasts, but a lot of people don't know we're doing because we operate in a vacuum most of the time, or we used to back in the day. Yeah. And and it's only recently that people are like getting exposure to other ways of doing things. I think it's an honest mistake, but you're right. It does need to be brought up and discussed and fixed and addressed. Mm-hmm. And if it's brought up and ignored, well, then it's time to get off that train, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I, I think you owe it to the GM to say, "Look, man, that that's really kind of bogus. You know, why why do we have to destroy it with a machine gun? How come the big rock didn't work? Because that was awesome, and we did that." Yeah, yeah. And if the guys, if the guy's not going to take your hint, well, then you know he's not going to take it. But you at least owe him the chance. But, um, yeah, and he's not going to learn if you don't if you don't say that sucks, dude. That's terrible. But it's an uncomfortable conversation to have sometimes. You know, and, boy, and this game that you're running for is that really sucks. <laughs> and it's a hard thing. Some some GMs come from a player's point of view, and it's always sort of I need to win over the players. And it's uh, sometimes people have a hard time turning that mindset off. Uh, there yeah. is no winning as a GM. You're really supposed to be letting the players make the choices and facilitate it. But there's no me against them, or shouldn't be. They shouldn't be had that mindset. That's a whole other topic yeah. for another day. But it happens anyway. Yeah, I know. it does. Yeah. All right, that was the last email. That yeah. was. We did, that was Are it. And Jeb stayed Q- awake. Q- hey, he's questions? still awake. We should let him go. I know. No, no, no. no. Uh, the cocaine won't let me sleep. <laughs> 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 we 
That's the worst <laughs> thing about that stuff. <laughs> man, he the crash in the next so morning. 1980s, man. Wow. <laughs> Kids even do that anymore? You're well, in the Midwest, aren't you? It's meth labs now, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, Midwest is like 20 years behind everybody else in trends. So. Oh, <laughs> it's still in cocaine. <laughs> We just we just got the sexual revolution as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> women just got the vote. Are there are, yeah. are the women burning their brassiers? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's petticoats. <laughs> They're insisting on not wearing corsets. I know. <laughs> we just got rid of the bustle ten years ago, and now I want to see corsets. I can't. It's, it's happening too fast. All right. Well, th- thank you for joining us. We appreciate you yeah. uh, you coming in with us here. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Excellent. All right. Well, you know, we'll have to do this That's again, awesome. which means we'll yeah. have to keep you up late again some other time. You know this, right? We, I'm yeah, wondering if we absolutely. could, like, when we have someone on, or even just for the benefit of East Coast listeners, do the, start the show at 730. What if we could? I don't know. It's entirely up to you, because we, we'll all show up at your house, but you have to make the call. Yeah, I, maybe, I don't know, not not any, maybe we'll think about that. I'll, I'll think about that. <laughs> Let's discuss it on the air, because that'll make a great radio. in the chat room today. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hello, Sweden. It's even yep. later there, or earlier, no, I they, I think, is that the guy that just woke up? He said it was, uh, well, it was at the <laughs> beginning of the show, he said it was 5.58 okay. a.m. Right. Well, I'm going I'm to call it here. Cool. Where is it? When listeners of Happy Jacks on PG Podcast Weekend. Thank you for joining us for Season 12, Episode 7 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Gina. This is Stork. And this is Chad. And thank you for joining us. Uh, postcards from the Dungeon, what is the URL for that? Uh, PTFD, PFTDcast.com. PFTDcast.com. Postcards from the Dungeon, PFTD. Got it. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, and we'll leave you with a song. Faithful day began with a smile and a wink With a raven hair, a daring smile, the cheeks so rosy pink Little wordless, her smoky eyes said she was to be mine Stolen moments in a hate laugh brought me passion so sublime She's got me crying and drinking and cursing on her name She's got me running and hiding and trying all the same To find my way back to freedom to start my life again without her Inside her mind, and we would live together and pursue a life of crime. Soon upon a road we wandered, and a traveler went aid. I played the role of rogue while she played the hairy maid. She's got me crying and drinking and cursing on her name. She's got me running and hiding and trying all the same to find my way back to freedom to start my life again without her.
gathered up his valuables I prepared for our escape But then I turned my back Oh, what a grave mistake She stabbed him with a dagger And killed him where he lay She took our only horse And then she ran away She's got me crying and drinking And cursing on her name She's got me running and hiding And trying all the same To find my way back to freedom To start my life again Without her By the lusty whispers of this cursed maid I flee from every lawman and constable I see For to each this cursed maid has described me to a tea She's got me crying and drinking and cursing on her name She's got me running and hiding and trying all the same To find my way back to freedom To start my life again without her The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.